Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Saber Talk Podcast. This is Mark Geis. And Josh Eppinger. So, Josh, how's everything going on your end? I know we've got a ton to talk about, so let's start off, start off with some light oh, discussion first. It's been good. I've uh, been uh, messing around the computer the last few days. I finally got my computer working, um, so that's good. Uh, my girlfriend stripped the laptop charger, and it... It's just charging all by itself now. I didn't even have to get it fixed. So um, that's been good. So I've been messing around there and kind of going through some expansion draft stuff lately and trying to dig into this Sabres uh, GM uh, search. How about you? Um, not too much. Nothing exciting. Uh, we may be going to a Seinfeld trivia thing later on tonight, which Natty is excited for me to hopefully go on and win. So maybe I'll give an update on that next week. <sighs> Josh is not a Seinfeld fan, and somehow we're still friends. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just hum that stupid freaking ri- song. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> you, that's going to be part of the trivia night. Who can play the side, side, the Seinfeld theme on the recorder? <laughs> I'd, Mark's going to bring his recorder I definitely out. could not do that. So I'll be missing that question if it comes up. <laughs> well, that good luck to you. I'm sure there'd be lots of interesting people there. I all you know, and I'm about the only one in my whole friend group. I'm like, and I have you know, a bunch of different friend groups, and everyone loves Seinfeld, and everyone thinks I'm a jerk for not liking <laughs> it. And I'm just gonna hold on to the 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 claim of not liking Seinfeld. All right. Well, at least you're consistent. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there has been a couple episodes that I've watched and I've chuckled at, but it's just not something that I could watch like a season in a day of or like, you know, could really binge out on. Just like, not my thing. Okay. That's fair. We'll we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> We're very civil here on the Saber Talk podcast. Um, yeah. So you mentioned it in, in your little open there, but talking about the updates on the uh, on the GM search. So we discussed really in a preliminary sense before names had started coming out as to who they were interviewing and everything, who we were interested in. I think we hit a lot of the names that they ended up looking at. And I have been pretty proud of ownership. They've, they've cast a pretty wide net, interviewed a lot of different people from different organizations, and I think that's a little bit of a change from how they've operated in the past. Uh, Jason Botterill looks like he's he's the clear front runner right now. That's what all the reports are saying. Elliot Friedman came out earlier today and said that he was receiving a second interview and he wasn't sure if anybody else had received a second interview or any sort of you know second look in this process. Uh, so it looks like it's his job to lose at this point, but there still hasn't been anything definitive there. Uh, Josh, did Botterill stand out to you or any of the other names? really stand out to you when, when doing all your research on this? Um, Botterill was one that I was very intrigued by, you know, be, being with um, Pittsburgh for the last 10 years. Um, Ex-Saber, too, so we're still got that good hometown Buffalo uh, bringing guys back in, too. But, uh, you know, he, he's, done, he's done well with um, the, the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Penguins. Um, and he he's uh done a lot for that team you know 
been promoted from um, assistant GM to associate and really just kind of been a mainstay for the two uh, two championships there in Pittsburgh. So I'm definitely intrigued by it. That being said, I'm also a little skeptical about Terry Bagula's uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania sports uh, connection too. I, it seems like he really likes a lot of those guys, but uh, I, I've, I, I, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, I was really uh, kind of excited for Breezewah. He did not get an interview. I have no idea what on with the Sabres in Tampa Bay with that. But um, Mark and I were talking before, and two two other guys that we were really interested in are Bill Zito from Columbus, currently the assistant GM for the Blue Jackets their big money man and also the general manager of the Cleveland monsters. And, uh, if anyone, for those who don't know me and Mark love the Lake Erie sea monsters now known as the Cleveland sea, the Cleveland monsters. Um, great, great for great, uh, affiliate team. Love their logo. Um, (laughs) also, and then the other one, uh, that Mark was really, uh, big on was, um, and I am too, is uh, Paul Fenton with uh, the assistant general manager of the Nashville Predators. Uh, Mark, you you said that Fenton was kind of your favorite in the race? Yep, yep. Um, I like what he brings to the table in terms of experience. So he hasn't been a GM before, but I, I believe of everybody that they interviewed, he's the oldest and has been in front offices the longest. Now, you can correct me on that if I'm wrong, but I... Um, I believe he's been in the he's been in the Nashville organization almost since they began as a franchise, if not since they began as a franchise. He's been around for a while, and it's only a matter eighteen seasons with the Predators. How many? Eighteen seasons with the Predators. And I think that would have been that would have been since they came into the league, or they came in in what ninety seven or ninety eight. So maybe he came in in their yeah. second or third season, uh, and he's been a part of this franchise really turning into what we're seeing this year being a true contender and they've made a lot of nice moves up front josh and i have discussed in the past being very envious of nashville and their cap situation and their contract situation um not to mention the talent that they have on the roster and by all accounts fenton has been a big part of that so i think if they're looking for both fresh blood and experience i think fenton probably brings the best of that combination to the table. Now that's not to say that these other guys aren't qualified. I don't, I wouldn't have a problem if Botterill was hired while we're doing this podcast right now. Um, but I think Fenton, if I had to pick between all these guys would be my favorite right now. What really stuck out to you um, about, um, about any of the, these other candidates. So there was uh there was Mike Fuda from the Kings, Tom Fitzgerald from the Devils, Bill Guerin as well from from Pittsburgh. Did any of these guys stand out to you, or anything stand out in particular? Well, um, I, uh, I I was a big fan of also Bill Zito uh, of Columbus. Columbus has been a team that was pretty bad for years, um, just like we have been pretty bad for six seven years now, and uh, and uh, he's been in, he's been with that uh, organization for uh quite some time uh i think uh, about 2007 he has been under management uh mark mark uh pointed out that he was also um 
uh, was a, a agent, uh, player agent before uh, going into ma- uh, actual club management. And uh, really big money guy there. Um, players love him. Char- you know, he's a character within the organization. He's personal of his players, and I think there's a lot that could that the Sabres could use of that. So Zito was kind of my guy going into it. If but. they want fresh blood, that's probably the freshest blood there is out there because I believe he oh, came yeah. in to the, to the NHL actually working in a front office in 2013. So the fact that he's reached this point to where he's being considered even for a GM job within basically four years of entering professional hockey in a front office is pretty incredible. So there's obviously talent there for him to have stuck out that much, and I think if he doesn't get this job – it's going to be only a matter of time until he gets a GM job somewhere because of that meteoric rise. But yeah, I didn't know that about him yeah. before doing a little research when his name came out, how he was, uh, he was Kimo Timonen's agent, Tuka Rask's agent, Tim Thomas's agent, um, James Wisniewski, all those guys signed pretty substantial contracts. Then he decided to go the front office route. I'm not sure what took him away from being a player agent, but that's an interesting history. You don't see a ton of guys in front offices. That have that kind yeah. of background, you know. You know, it was kind of interesting today. I was um, listening to our fine uh, Flagstaff station in Buffalo, WGR five fifty, and uh, they had the goons on today, <laughs> the instigators, and they had um, I forget her first name, but um, um, she started that. The her and her brother started the website. Um, some uh. I can't remember. It's a it's a stat website for players, and players actually hire them to help them improve their game. Uh, sports, the, sports or something like Stathletes? that. It's called Stathletes. Okay. Yeah, they had. I um, think I don't know why I remember that. I don't even know who you're talking about, yeah, but sta- I remember that website. Sta- yeah, Stathletes. Yes, and uh, her brother is the general manager for the for the Phoenix. Oh, Coyotes. that's why I knew it. Yeah, John uh, Chaka. Yep. Jacob, yep. yep, and uh, they had, uh, I think her name was Michelle Chaka or something. She, it's, it's actually, she's uh, the, older, the older sister, and she was talking some sport uh, stats and analytics today on the show, and uh, just uh, very uh, interesting uh, listening to her and uh, t- talking about her brother's journey as much, much as she can, but, you know, it's a private business, so they have to be quiet about a lot of the stuff they a lot of information she has too but it was uh interesting one and she was in buffalo day in studio well and you saw that the sabers actually tried to request to interview him for their gm position and phoenix turned them down i don't know if you remembered seeing that yeah so the sabers were interested i I forgot about that till now yeah that's an incredible rise because i believe he's now 29 years old or something is the youngest mm-hmm. GM. He, he, there were multiple guys older than him on his own roster, and was named GM last year. I think they had a pretty good off season last year. Um, Shane Doan's forty. He, yeah, yeah. Shane Doan's <laughs> got a decade on him. It, he could be his. Father. They don't have too many other guys over thirty years old on that team, but uh, that's another very interesting path to take. Where yeah, he he did not work his way up the food chain. He didn't go the the Jason Botterill route where you know you start at a certain place maybe as a scout or something in the organization and gradually work your way up to become general manager or you know work your way up to a certain point they get interviewed by another team to become general manager he 
started his own company with his sister, apparently. I, I never knew he started it with his sister. And then... Yep, he was 18 years old when they started it. Yeah, pretty incredible. <laughs> and then... And it's been eight years since then. It took him eight years to get that job two years ago. Well, so it's been 10 years, but eight years after starting his own website, he became the general manager of the Arizona Coyotes. Very obscured uh, way to do it, but uh, hey, it worked out for him. And, you know, he's made some pretty good moves over there. It's interesting. I mean, there's still a lot a lot of weight on for Arizona. So Yeah, I've, I've liked in general what they've done. They've got a great collection of young players. They made that move last year, taking on Datsuk and got Chikrin out of it, who... Had a pretty good first year. Looks like he's going to be a nice player for them. Um, so, yeah, it goes to show you don't have to take this traditional route anymore. And that's one of the great things. A lot of people will disparage analytics and, and numbers and all that. But I think it's made it more of an even playing field. And you don't necessarily have to be part of the old boys network anymore to, to get one of these high-powered jobs. There still is a there is yeah. still quite an element of that, I think, in the game. But it's not anywhere near as bad as it used to be. Yeah, who knows? Maybe um, maybe um, Terry Bagul is listening to the Saber Talk podcast, looking for a couple scouts. Yeah, yeah, uh, we'll we'll try. <laughs> yeah, listen to our uh, our brilliant player evaluation on here, and we're only a phone yeah. call away. Yep, yep. Um, but uh, it, it's definitely it's definitely interesting. Um, it's. It's going to be, you know, one thing that we decided we both wanted last we last time we talked, Mark, was uh, that we wanted the uh, Sabres to um, bring in a guy who would oversee the GM and the head coach. That's something that hasn't been spoken of uh, as of late and really has never been spoken about during this whole GM search. Yeah, the only bit I of it that know. came out was when they were talking about Dean Lombardi, but that yeah. seems to have completely died away. Yeah, but you never know. They could, uh, they could be hiding that spot in the back of their pocket, and just kind of waiting for. But you think they would announce it? Who knows? I'm not gonna rule it out yet, but it seems a little unlikely to me now. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that would come out first before you'd have all these leaks about who's in contention for the GM job and all that. I feel like you'd want to have, you'd want to bring that guy in first, let him run the search. And then these things would be coming out. So I agree with you. It looks pretty unlikely at this point. And now yeah, we'll yeah. see if that's the right decision or not. Yeah. Um, to go back to uh, Paul Fenton real quick, uh, we did talk, Mark and I did talk quite a bit about this. Um, just uh, bull, bullshitting before we uh, started the podcast today. And uh, we decided, you know, Paul Fenton, Mark's. Paul Fenton is his favorite, and reasons were, you know, and my first thought was the Roman Yossi contract. Uh, it's a very favorable contract. Uh, they have him signed to, uh, I think, 2022 for four, or 2021 for uh, $4 million a year. That's one of the best defensemen in the league. And, uh, I mean, that's one of the best defensive back-end teams in the league as well. But uh, you know, you mark you mentioned the Philippe Forsberg trade and the Ryan Johansson trade, and he's Fenton's been around a lot of success, and you know even the Subban for Weber, I I think is going to be a long term win for 
Nashville for years to come. Yeah, I completely agree. And I guess we're speculating to a point. We don't know how much he was involved in making those trades, if he was involved at all. But uh, it has come out that he's been involved in the contracts portion at least. So we, sh- mm-hmm. we should give him at least partial credit for the Yossi contract. The, the Philip Forsberg contract looks like it's going to be great um, over time. It's at $6 million a year, and he's, he's only going to get better. He's only <coughs> still, I think, 22 years old uh, and already one of the more dynamic players in the entire league. Uh, so I like Fenton. I, I'm glad he's given a shot here. I think if he doesn't get hired here, it's going to be a very short manner of time before he's hired somewhere else because of the success that organization is showing this year in particular. They've always been good. They're pretty consistently good year in and year out, but this is the first year where they look like they could go over the hump. And yeah, whether it's fair or not, I think that does push the guys within that organization you know, to have higher reputations around the rest of the league. Yeah. Mark and I were actually uh, texting. He was getting home from a walk, and he uh, got home and turned on the the Nashville uh, playoff game last night against um, St. Louis, and Nashville was up 1-0 at, the point, at that time. And uh, we were just talking about how good Nashville is and how uh, Nashville's both our favorite team in the West to uh, win it this year. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Um I was rooting for Minnesota to start because you know they're the they're the most well liked team out here. So for friends' sake and everything, I was rooting for the Wild, but I never really believed in them at all. But yeah, now that they're out, yeah. Nashville's my pick. You talked about it before. Very exciting back end. I like PK Subban a whole lot. I'm very glad he's out of the Sabres division. Um, I like the rest of that back end, too. Ekholm is great, and Ryan Ellis is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and then up front, I just love how, how deep they are. And they've just made a lot of a lot of nice moves, both trade-wise and signing guys to nice contracts. That I, I, I just like watching that team. It's one of those teams that can roll four lines and roll its, its top four defensemen, and any of those lines can score on you. And I know there are some other teams like that out there, but... I like watching their brand of hockey. I always just thought it was because you like such a big Carrie Underwood fan. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Once Mike Fisher went there, you know, I could finally start rooting for him. When he was in <laughs> Ottawa, I couldn't, yeah. and then finally it gave me the excuse I needed. Hell, hell of a player, hell of a player. Yep. Um, it's a good hockey town but, too. Uh, their yeah, their crowds know, actually, have been nice. Um, I, I drove through Nashville last uh, spring, so about a year ago, last April, not, uh, April of 2016, and uh, they were in playoffs at the time, or getting ready for playoffs, and they their side, their building, their stadium was huge, and it had uh, a big banner going all the way down the side of the stadium uh, with a big picture of Weber and I think it was like Pekka Renee and someone else. Um, maybe Yo- probably Johansson. Um, but uh, that was just cool to drive by and see that. Uh, you know, never you never see uh, anything hung up like that at First Niagara Center, uh, Key Bank Arena, HBC, HSBC, Marine Midland. 
Uh, the list goes on and on. Yeah, <laughs> at least Buffalo has a record for its stadium having the most names of any team in the league, probably. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as as far as those southern teams, and I, I guess I'm I'm lumping them in with the South. I know somebody probably will have some something to push back on me or push back at me on that, but um, it's it feels like a college type crowd. Like it's uh, they did the they did the it's night. all your fault chant last night, which is fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought they did a nice job when they hosted the All Star game. Ref, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> Ref, you suck. When uh, PK Subban got the two-minute penalty for embellishment last night, that was pretty bad. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I don't know if that was a reputation call or what, but yeah. I well, um, I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind making those embellishment calls when they happen, but that didn't. That certainly didn't look like one to me. Yeah, Edmondson came up and ran him and pushed his head in the ground. Yeah, his helmet <laughs> came off. I mean, yeah. What do you expect? I think. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, maybe that. Maybe that ref has uh, some against. Uh, something against uh, French Canadians named Piquet. Maybe, and uh, and Mike Milbury <laughs> does too. I'm sure you saw the him calling Subban a clown. Twice mm-hmm. that he was yep. being a clown in yep. warm-ups, and he's been a clown in the past. Jeez. Well, you know, um, I saw a great retweet today, and this is uh, ba- about baseball, but I just want to bring it up real quick uh, about the Red Sox organization. If uh, your mother, Katie, is listening. Hi, Mrs. Geis. <laughs> uh, um, the Red Sox uh, fans that were uh, throwing – um, peanuts at the Baltimore center center fielder and uh, calling him, uh, uh, you know, racist terms and uh, sad to th- see. But uh, the Red Sox came out today and said that we will ban anyone who uh, uses uh, racial, uh, you know, vulgarity, if you want to call it that. And then someone retweeted and said, "Man, that sucks for Kurt Schilling." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, Kurt Schilling's already taken his lumps for uh, saying some controversial things, being a little too liberal with the, well, not being actually liberal, but with the share button on Facebook, sharing too many memes. Yeah. Those memes will really get you into trouble. Oh, yeah, especially especially when you wear the bloody side. <laughs> um, well, yeah, Boston has that, about- has that reputation, and I, I've never seen it. I've been there a handful of times, but – I know when the Patriots won the Super Bowl, I, I actually talked about this on my other podcast, but they were people were trying to say this is a, a victory for white supremacy, like that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, because they're both Trump guys, they're both friends with Trump, that this is a victory yeah. for white supremacy and that Boston is the most racist city in the United States. And I don't really know what there is to substantiate that, but I'm sure that if you searched out there on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you'd find people making that same point again. Like, look, this is what we told you about Boston, and Boston winning that Super Bowl, like we said, was a victory for white supremacy. I I hate the world, <laughs> and I don't want to talk about this anymore. Well, I hate having to defend um, the Patriots. That's what I had to do, too. Like, the yeah. last people I want to defend on planet Earth are Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, but 
I guess now I have to. But there, are, but there is like those idiot people around the world that truly do believe in stuff like this. Now I'm not saying there's a lot of them. I'm not saying all New England Patriots fans or Boston fans are like this, but there is people out there. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I'm not, I'm not doubting that it happened and that there's there's some element of that in every city. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how emblematic that is in the entire York. city or not. Um, but you know, enough about Boston sports and uh, <laughs> getting out of that. <laughs> Sorry to bring it up. Um, but um, you know, whoever comes in, if it's Jason Botterell, um, if it's Botterell, Bill Zito, um, Paul Fenton, they're gonna be uh tasked with a few with uh different things going on with this team uh some cap issues um there's a lot of restricted free agents and un- and a few unrestricted free agents uh that could be leaving the team here um and he's gonna have some work to do when he gets here and that's why i think the sabers are really trying to find someone because there's gonna be a lot of work to be done um one of my uh, one of my glaring needs is, you know, I mentioned it earlier, is who are we going to protect in the expansion draft? I know we we don't have to, you know, talk all, all night about this or anything, but you know, the Sabers don't have a big problem with it. But we, you know, there's a there's three goaltenders that you know that could that we could uh, protect here, being Olmark. Uh, Nilsson or Leonard, and they're all up on contract this year. Uh, Olmark and Leonard are restricted free agents, and Nielsen is an unrestricted free agent. So you got to protect one goalie, and you got to choose: is it going to be Leonard? Are they going to give him the contract? Are they going to roll with um, Ol- Olmark and try to bring back, bring in uh, another guy to to be a double? Uh, goalie combination it's going to be interesting yeah yeah that was definitely one of the things we talked about last time because murray had had made some you know had said this maybe not in as many words but that he would like to lock up robin leonard but somebody new coming in maybe doesn't believe in robin leonard like tim murray does tim murray's willing to trade a first round pick for him he he was there when he was drafted obviously he he at least must have been supportive of the decision if he was then willing to trade a first-round pick for the guy a handful of years later. Uh, but somebody new isn't going to have that same kind of tie to Robin Leonard. So will, would they look to trade yeah. him? I think assuming he's still on the roster when the expansion draft comes around, he has far more value than Olmark at this point. So I think Leonard will be the one protected as long as he's on the roster. And I'd be surprised if he was traded before then. But... You never know what could happen. I think it's far more likely now that Leonard is on a one-year deal next year, on a, on a one-year prove-it deal next year, rather than on a three- or four-year yeah. deal, which I think I'm far better with. That's what I've wanted all year. Well, analytic guys will tell you that he was one of the best goaltenders in the league last year, too. I mean, stopping a, a high percent of uh, shots from high percent goaling score, goal scoring areas this year, last year, uh, he's definitely uh, – he definitely made this team better than they could have. They 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 made him better than they should have been. Yeah, I think he had a really nice year, and I don't want to take anything away from that. And uh, I I believe in him. That's what I've said since they traded for him. I think he's a good goalie. I think that 
the price they paid was too much. I think it's always going to look like a bad trade in retrospect. And I don't think we could have really expected much more out of him this year. I'm just so hesitant about ever committing to a goalie. So I think it, I don't want this to be a Leonard issue. You know, it's not an issue I have with him. I think it's that I really want to know this is a sure thing before locking up money long-term in a goaltender. But that's just me. Yeah, I and I think I think you're right for th- feeling that way, Mark. Um, but you know, I it, another another short uh, a bridge deal is uh, something I can definitely see in the future, especially if a new GM. So I think we're kind of on the same page there. But you never know. Um, well, you know, we have um, Johan Larson, Zygmunt Gergerson, and uh, Marcus Foligno are restricted free agents this season. This upcoming offseason, uh, it'd be interesting. We've talked about it. It seems like all year with those three guys, they've uh, they've all they all had pretty solid seasons in my opinion. Nothing too impressive. Johan Larson obviously went down with that uh, shoulder injury at the end, of, uh, halfway through the year, after having a pretty impressive uh, first half of the season in my opinion. Um, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do with those guys too. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think Larson going down makes it more likely he's probably back on another one-year deal. I'd be surprised if they if they sign him long-term after this year. Gergensen's, I wonder if he'd want to sign a long-term deal, putting up very little offense this year. Maybe he'll hope under another coaching staff. Really, Dan Bilesma always seemed to have some sort of issue with him, really refused to play him in the top six much. He was pigeonholed on the fourth line quite a bit this year. I did like him when he when he and Evander Kane had the had the opportunity to kind of run that third line, but he bounced all over the lineup and really wasn't able to find any consistency anywhere. So I wonder if both sides may agree that a one year deal is best for both. And then Felino is probably the most interesting of the three to talk about, in my opinion. I think this is his best season as a pro, but I also wonder can he really get any better or is this really what he is? Is he a 10 to 15 goal guy? And I think with his hands, I I can't really see him putting up much more production than that. So is this somebody that you want to pay $3 million a year to, especially when you have a lot of young guys up that I think can play that type of role. I'm, I think this is the most interesting one, at least of, of these three players. A lot of, uh, there's, I I think it's funny too, because there's a lot of people, Around saying, oh well, we sh- we can trade Marcus Foligno to the Columbus Blue Jackets so he can go play with his brother. Uh, it, I mean, it it, it, it could uh, be a a likely thing, but I I don't see the Blue Jackets being all that interested in it either. Like you said, he uh, last year he uh, wh- wh- where was he at on uh, points? I'm trying to look it up right now. Uh. I'm not getting any luck here. One sec. Um, whose internet is <laughs> Yeah, he finished with 13 goals and 23 points last year. Twenty. Okay. So you know, twenty. Oh, uh, uh, about average. You know, I'd say. Uh, do you really want to pay three million for him, especially when we're creeping up with the cap? I don't think so. Personally, me. I like Marcus. I like that he's been on the team for a while. I know Paul Hamilton always refers to him as being, when they talk captain, he says Marcus Foligno 
kind of owns that locker room sometimes. Being on the team for so long, being drafted in Buffalo, uh, being born in Buffalo, too, um, that he has a lot of command over the locker room in there. And, you know, sticking up for guys in the locker room, you know, if a, he's never afraid, especially this year, he wasn't afraid to drop the gloves and fix his hair and uh, throw some punches. <laughs> Yeah, I I, I uh, like what he brings. I I hate when he plays with Jack Eichel, and if he never played another minute with Jack Eichel, I think I'd be I'd be just fine with that. Uh, but it's kind of one of those one of those things. Like you pointed to, can you commit that much money in a cap era to a guy like Marcus Foligno when you're going to have a lot of money committed to other positions, and you've already given out dumb money to Matt Molson, Tyler Ennis. And, and you've got the Zach Bogosian contract hanging out there. So I wonder if he will end up being a casualty. And you have a lot of these wingers that are coming up trying to fight to make the NHL roster. And can a guy like Hudson Fashing maybe replace in 2017, 2018 what Marcus Foligno brings to the table? I think I think you can reasonably project Fashing to be a 10-15 to 15 goal guy, a, a 25-30 point guy. So I think what he brings is replaceable. But we'll see really what he's asking for and what the demand is for him around the league. Um Yeah. Uh I got a question. Um it's been a popular uh, thing going around. I think we've talked about this maybe once or twice before, but uh would you want to see whoever this GM that comes in if it's if it's Botterell, to try to move Zach Bogosian with uh a second round pick to a team for like a third round pick just to get rid of that cap money to a team like maybe uh, Phoenix or someone that has a lot of cap room. Depends on how many spots you'd have to drop. I, I'm, I've kind of resigned myself to expecting or I guess hoping that Bogosian finds himself under a new coach because he has been an effective top four guy in the past and. If, if all it takes is for the Sabres to drop down 30 spots from the second round to the third round, especially in this draft, which isn't being, you know, it isn't being called the strongest draft in the world, then I would probably do that. That would, I think, solve quite a few issues, being able to clear over $5 million out over the next three years. Uh, but I think probably the most likely scenario is that Bogosian will be back and just got to hope that he plays well enough. Hopefully he can be the third pairing right-handed guy if they can acquire one or two other top four guys, maybe him and Antipin, who we can talk about maybe briefly on this show, can be a third pairing with little responsibility, and hopefully Bogosian could thrive. Yeah, there's, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not going to rule that out, but, uh, on a third line playing maybe, you know, 12 minutes a game, 13 minutes a game, you know, he could uh, maybe uh, not be, maybe he could play, you know, more than half a season. Uh, It's really interesting because like like I, when I, when I brought up the Sabres roster, there's a lot of work to be done here. And, you know, we, 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 you know, we're bringing Antipin in. I, I think, you know, that that move obviously looks like it stayed good even after Murray was fired. I don't know how much he had to do with the move or not. But, uh, 
that that should be a, a guy that can play in you know our a left-handed guy that can play on our third pairing or second pairing next year and uh there's still a glaring need that we need someone to play on the left-hand side of Rasmus Rissalainen um th- this uh general manager is going to be put with a, a tough task just to to go out there and find it but this is the year uh Mark and I were talking earlier, and a lot of other people have been too, about there's going to be good defenders available for fair prices before this expansion draft because certain teams can't protect them all. Uh, Mark, you had a pretty pretty good uh, idea of a player that you were interested in. Well, we we both were uh, in Nashville and Ryan Ellis, and we were talking about earlier. Yep. And yeah, I, I, uh, this isn't a super unique, uh, unique point or anything because a lot of people have been pointing that out, but I was going through, like Josh had talked about earlier, going through the, the cap friendly tool and looking at what the different scenarios are and Nashville as it stands now, almost certainly would go with just protecting eight skaters overall, rather than protecting seven forwards, three defensemen and a goaltender. And the, the, they'd protect four defensemen, being Subban, Yossi, Ekholm, and Ellis. And then they'd protect four forwards up front. But I could see a scenario, because they have, if they're only protecting four forwards up front, they're still leaving some valuable guys exposed. They're leaving Yarnkroak exposed, Colin Wilson exposed, um, Arvidsson exposed. Uh, so I, I could see them if they could trade Ellis for close to fair value, then being able to protect an additional three guys up front and, you know, lose a far, a far worse player, lose somebody that's not that important to their success, plus get what's coming back in the Ryan Ellis trade. So maybe there could be something there where it works out for all sides. And the two major assets that the Sabres have to play with are the first overall pick. We didn't talk about the lottery either, which we could have discussed, but the Sabres have the eighth overall pick in this draft. I don't think anyone wants to discuss it. Very good point. I hate the lottery. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yep, I think everyone in Buffalo does. Yeah, it's a joke. And, um, yeah. and Evander and Kane is probably the other, big, uh, the other big asset that the Sabres have out there. And I don't know what Nashville's interest would be in Evander Kane. There was a rumor going around at the deadline, though I don't know how credible it was that the Predators were interested in Evander Kane. Uh, Why wouldn't they be? Evander Kane's a very nice player. Acquitted today of all uh, charges in Buffalo Court as well. Yeah, no, I think I think they would be interested for sure. I wonder if they would value him more highly than... Because if they were to take him back and then want to protect him, would they would they value him more highly than... Wilson, Yarncroke, and Arvidsson. I guess that's a that's the question they'd have to ask themselves. Yeah. I'd be willing to retain money on him too. Yeah, it's a yeah, a little bit. It, you know, it, to bring in a, a player like Ryan Ellis, who's you know looking like the best defenseman in this entire playoffs in the playoffs so far. Uh. He's uh, really been on fire at seven points in the last seven games, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You can send it send it to me at my the twi- at my uh, Twitter, 
at the real underscore ep epp <laughs> um <laughs> yeah he's a lot of fun to watch but, uh, I, I like him a lot well, yeah yeah absolutely he's uh just that whole Nashville team is how, how do you uh how they how how do you win games you have your goaltender in the playoffs how do you win games in the playoffs your goaltender as a 9 uh, 0.950 save percentage or are over that at least is a 9.50 which they are which teams usually look for for Stanley Cup winning goalies um and players in the back end like that how how do you protect uh how do you not get scored on how do you you play in the how do you win games you play in the other team's zone and get the puck out of your zone and that's exactly what Nashville does yeah yeah they're great at limiting high quality scoring chances and they're a very good possession I, team too so both those things together will make any goaltender's job a whole lot easier. It'd be really, it'd be really fun. And Mark and I were talking about it last night. Is Edmonton versus Nashville in the Western Conference Finals? So much offense versus so much defense. Uh, the old saying, though, defense wins championships. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how much worse Nashville's uh, offense really is than Edmonton's. Edmonton certainly scored more in the regular season. I don't have the numbers in front of me or anything, but I was surprised at how much Nashville actually did score. And I think I would take Nashville's defense, certainly. I mean, anybody would take Nashville's defense over Edmonton's. So that would be a great series. I would just love to see new blood. That's what I'm liking the most about the Western slate so far is that we're seeing new teams start to emerge. It's not the Blackhawks and the Kings. Yeah. Well, um... Sorry to take you back onto the Nashville train ride, everyone, but Ryan Ellis got us pumped up again. <laughs> um, it's um, it's, it's, I. How much do you think this GM race, this uh, the this race for the Sabres GM should be on who they're going to bring in for a coach? I mean, I think you should hire the best guy for the GM spot, and then if you're hiring the best guy there then let him have a lot of latitude in bringing in the right coach. So I don't I you know I don't necessarily want a GM being brought in as a package deal with a coach. Though maybe they have, you know, yeah. maybe Fenton would come with Housley being expected to be named the coach because that does happen where GMs bring their guys in to be coach, but oftentimes it happens where that doesn't happen. You know, Tim Murray and Dan Bylsma didn't have any connection, at least not that I was aware of prior to him being brought in, and I'm sure there are plenty more examples around the league. What do you think? Bar- I think Botterell's going to bring in Bilesmo. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a Ron Rolston guy. Yeah, jeez. Oh, um, I I think uh, I think in these interviews with the Pagulas, they're asking these GMs who they're going to bring in as a coach. I think that's part of their interview. I, ideas of who they would want to bring in as a coach. I, I I think it absolutely has to be a part of the interview. Oh, I agree. Yeah, definitely it should be, you know, who's your slate of candidates? Who have you worked with? Who have you heard great things about? Who would be on your short list if you became GM, if you were to be looking to hire a coach? I certainly think that would be one of the first questions I'd want to ask of any prospective general manager. But I wouldn't want them to tell me, 
oh, well, Phil Housley's my coach. That's who I'm bringing in. I, I wouldn't want them to be that, you know, narrow focused because we've talked about yeah. it that different coaches can serve different rosters in better ways. So I want them to have a wider focus and interview multiple guys for coach when that eventually or when that search does start. Yeah. Um I agree. I agree. I just um is you know, I think it's I think it's really important to who the coach is going to be on this team after watching Biles will blow this team up in a way, really, you know, making it dysfunctional. I I think some of it has to do with the players too, but uh you know, if you're the head of the locker room, you're the head of the locker room. And that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, yeah, a, a lot falls on his shoulders certainly. Not all of it like we've said. A lot does fall on Tim Murray's shoulders. A lot does fall on certain players just not performing anywhere near expectations. So it's not 100% on Bilesma's shoulders. But I think at this point I'm, I'm so cynical about Bilesma that I think virtually anybody in the league would be an upgrade. But there have been plenty of other instances of horrendous coaching jobs, so I guess I shouldn't be so confident that just whoever they bring in is going to be an upgrade over Bilesma. Yeah, absolutely. That's you gotta you gotta you gotta see the process through, right? Yep. <clears throat> um. Now, um, talking about acquiring, uh, you know, one of these guys, maybe one of these top defensemen, uh, premier defensemen for the lottery. Go back to that. Uh, we um, we uh, we possess the eighth pick in the draft. Uh, a pick that I'd be willing to move to, to go up and grab one of these guys. So they, you know, t- I think teams would be interested. Want you know if they want to if they're going to give away a marquee player, they're going to want a, a, a high pick. And I'm not saying this year's draft is anything like the last two years, but uh, but um, there's still uh, you know the eighth overall pick is pretty uh, pretty big chip you could burn, a, a chip that we could use as well. Um, teams like Anaheim, uh, Nashville, Minnesota, they might be interested in this pick. I know Mark and I were talking. You didn't seem too confident that you would want to be able to move, want to move this pick. Well, we had discussed if we'd want to package the pick and Evander okay, Kane yeah. together. I was saying, I don't know, that, that, that may be overkill. Maybe that's what it takes. Maybe that's what the market's going to dictate, and I may be – I may be well off the mark. I'd certainly want the eighth pick to be in play. Uh, I would be hesitant about trading it for, you know, Ryan Ellis only has two years of team control left. I'd be a little hesitant about including the eighth pick in a trade for Ellis, but I think that very well may be what it takes. So I guess we have to see how the, how the market really turns out. What are the prices for defensemen this year and go from there? I think this pick, this eighth pick compared to last year's eighth pick, it's more enticing to trade this one away because I think the caliber of prospect that's going to be there isn't going to quite be on the level of Nylander or Sergachev or last year and who you could see before the draft probably would be available at eight. Um, so I am definitely more willing this year. But uh, I guess, yeah, when we talked, it was about packaging those two assets together. Yeah, yeah. Kane, Kane also being, you know, on contract for one more year after this, and uh, we've talked about 
Kane, keeping Kane and Leonard and put our team in a bad situation numerous times on this podcast. I think I've talked about it my personal life enough to uh, make people's heads spin and think, what's wrong with that crazy hockey guy? <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, it, it's definitely interesting. I um, I just want... We, we want to see this team get better and being such a dis- – last season was such a disappointment that uh, we really need to work the kinks out. Yeah, and there's not an easy fix. Like I can't say, well, you go and sign this guy and then they're going to be a playoff contender next year. There are going to be tough choices yeah. to make no matter what. And if, if, if they didn't feel the clock ticking, which maybe – Maybe a new coach and a new um, a, a new general manager won't feel the clock ticking. Maybe the best course of action, I mean, wouldn't be to invest huge assets in the defense this year. I don't know. Um, I think pretty much everybody's going that route because we want to make the playoffs next year, and I want to make the playoffs next year too. But it still isn't a great a great situation if they're not able to get out of the Molson and Ennis deals or the Bogosian deal. They don't have a ton of cap space to work with. They've got a bunch of restricted free agents to sign. You know, maybe holding on to Evander Kane until the trade de- trade deadline this year is the way to get the most value out of him, and he doesn't go anywhere in the offseason. But then that would mean that the Sabres aren't a contender at the deadline. So I, I, I'm talking in circles, but yeah, it's um, it's difficult for me to see, you know, you make these two moves and – your playoff bound next year. I guess I'm in that place right now. Yeah. I'm sorry. I uh I was totally listening, but then uh I clicked on uh <laughs> um the armchair GM thing in cat friendly and uh someone put out um Sam Reinhart for um Vantanen straight up <laughs> And I, my mind blew a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, everybody's trying yeah, to get their it, hands it, on Reinhardt now, thinking that the Sabers will trade him at a discount. Yeah, I'm not really trying to, and we talked about this last podcast, and I'm really, I, I was kind of more. A couple weeks ago, I was thinking more of we trade, um, we trade Reinhardt and bring in Hannafin, but. Uh, and that, that was a move that I was interested in. But now I'm I'm kind of on the keep Reinhardt train. Uh, he's a very nice player. Just, yeah, trust the process of him, I think. Yeah, and I think he should be at center. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I hope that the next coach that comes in really hammers at home that Reinhardt's at center. For whatever reason, we talked about Bilesma jerking Gergensen's around. I think he jerked Reinhardt around a lot too and seemed to just refuse to put him at center. They called up they called up Evan Rodriguez, who it was his first season ever playing center, and put him at center in his first NHL game rather than or his first game of the year, first NHL game of the year, rather than moving Reinhardt from wing to center when center's his natural position. I mean it just it was like he was trying not to put Reinhardt at center. Yeah, I, I, uh, that, that was, that's one of the biggest things you could complain about, Bilesma. The line, I mean, that and Ger- 
how he was how he uh, lined up his offensive players is kind of mind boggling. Uh, not not having Reinhardt center, I think I think uh, I think Gergersons would be better off on wing with Eichel probably than uh, Reinhardt would be. Yeah, or at least I mean I think the upgrade of going from Gergensen's to Reinhardt at center is more than the downgrade going from Reinhardt to Gergensen's on the wing, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. and I wonder if they're going to go with the center spine next year of. Eichel, O'Reilly, Reinhardt, Larson, and then fill in the wings from there. I wonder if that's going to be the path that the next coach takes uh, and then kind of roll those top three lines evenly. Or if Reinhardt is at center, I talked about how I think that maybe in the, maybe in the long term Eichel and O'Reilly may end up being line, line mates. But it's really impossible to tell until we get a new coach. How would you – yeah – and this is all speculation. Uh, how would you feel about the new GM wanting to bring in another forward? It depends on the cost. I, I still think they need help up front. Scoring is obviously still an issue. At least it sounds like yeah. Kyle Oposo is going to be back next year, which is good. Yeah, yeah. thank God. Uh, some scary couple weeks for him and Sabres fans. Uh I think I think it came out that it was he that it was a medicine that he was given that that wasn't reacting it was like having a counter reaction yeah an allergic it, reaction or something to it yeah um you know there I mean there's some uh there's some all right players out some wingers out there for uh us to maybe bring in if the money's right you know it's uh it's um it's a it's important, you know. I'm not saying, oh, let's go out there and get uh, Patrick Marlowe from 37 years old, you know. But uh, yeah, I know TJ Oshie is one of the big names that's going to be out there this year. I think Oshie's going to demand a yeah, lot. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be had a pretty impressive season. He's going to be out of the Sabres price range, I bet. Um, Vanek is a guy that people were talking about him coming back to Buff, bringing him back to Buffalo. Uh, I don't. Personally, me, he's 33 years old. I think, uh, you know, I think that, you know, you have Eichel and you want Eichel be the guy shooting the puck the majority of the time, but maybe Vanek could be a guy that could uh, bring a little experience to this team. Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with bringing him in at all either. It, of course, depends on what the price is. I know I keep saying that, but uh, especially if Evander Kane is moved, somebody like Vanek or – Someone of that ilk, I think, would make a lot of sense on a one-year deal. You bring him in. You don't have to. You know, their contract isn't going to be interfering with trying to resign Eichel and Reinhardt the next offseason. Uh, I think that would make a ton of sense. Add somebody like that to the top nine, and I, I'd be hoping for something under for you know three and a half million dollars or less. And the yeah. chance to come and play with yeah. Jack Eichel, I think, will cause some guys to want to, to be willing to take a little bit less than they otherwise would. Yeah. Um, not, not, not the best, uh, uh, um, not the best year for the look for guys to come up and play in the wing with, uh, Eichel this year, but still interesting enough. Um, it's, uh, there, there, there's a, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of things going on. 
and uh, it's just going to be tough. You, that's the one thing I like about uh, Botterell is the look. You know, he's uh, been the money man, and the he's been a money man there with uh, with Pittsburgh, but also has uh, done well of addressing depth inside that organization. They've been able to pay their their premier players like Malkin, Crosby, Hornquist, Latang, and then bring other guys in to play spots for a couple of years. And you got you look at guys like uh, you know drafting uh, Russ and coming. He's been a great player for that team. Bonino, uh, there's a there's a lot to like about that. So that's one thing that I. One very big plus about Botterell to me. Yeah, he's been around that organization having to filter out expensive role players and figure out how to plug holes with little money to work with. And that's eventually going to be where the Sabres are. I mean, the Sabres really already are there for the most part, but especially when you've got Eichel and Reinhardt locked up to bigger money deals, they're going to have to figure out where do, yeah, where do we find the rusts and the Sheeries and the Gensels of the world to come and fit into our lineup, and how do we make a trade like the uh, the Rob Scuderi for Trevor Daly deal? You know, how do we swap yeah. out maybe a, a a bad contract for somebody that can come in and contribute? Things like that that you have to do if you want to make cup runs. Bringing in that experience will be yeah. nice. And you can't just offer sheet every player in the league. <laughs> <laughs> Another name that could be interesting, I did want to say, back to our winger to play with Vanek discussion, I wonder, could Yarmir Yager be a possibility in Buffalo? <laughs> That'd be a whole lot of fun either way. <laughs> it would make um, sense, be, I think. I, yeah, yeah, it would. It, it would it'd, uh, bring in a guy, but if you're bringing in a Yarmir Yager, you're definitely not bringing a Brian Gianta back either. Well, it depends on what Gianta's demanding too, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. Probably if uh, if they are bringing in another veteran forward, it means that Gianta's retiring and not coming back, or his asking price is too high. Um, I know a player that a right wing, a right wing, uh, right handed shot that you would love to bring in is uh, Chris Neal. Not really though, but Tommy Wingles is a player that I like a lot. Actually, um, you know, not the flashiest of players, but he seems to always be a guy that makes the right decision with the puck and isn't afraid to go in the corner and make that pass out front of the net and hold on to that puck and risk getting hit. Do uh, you uh, have any feelings about Tommy Wingles? I like Wingles a lot as a as a bottom six type guy. I don't. I, I wouldn't envision him as being a possible Eichel line mate. But yeah, Wingles yeah. is a guy I like a lot. Um, one of those guys that could have a spot in my bottom six any day. But I wonder I wonder if they'll be making any of those kind of signings this offseason with all these wingers that are going to be coming up and fighting for spots. There are a yeah. lot of guys fighting for for those bottom six spots already, so I wonder if they'll want to you know, spend $1, $1.5 million or whatever on another guy to come in and fill one of those roles and keep one of the young guys from coming up. Yeah. I mean – Maybe, I mean, maybe uh, Ellis Hemsky would be a, a good uh, guy on the right-hand side beyond uh, Yager. I don't want to just keep on writing. I don't know. Yager, Yager would be fun, but I just I don't see it working out. Well, Hemsky, I know he was hurt pretty much this entire year. I don't know what his status is 
going into next year. I think he only played a handful of games this year, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. He was nice in his prime, though. I don't know if it if he is healthy. I wouldn't mind giving him a shot. He's probably a guy that ends up getting a professional tryout somewhere. And I'd like yeah. to see the Sabres utilize super that this super year. Super skilled player. Use, use PTOs. They didn't really use him at all the last couple of years, and they've had holes on their fourth line and at their seventh defenseman spot in the last couple of years, and they haven't used PTOs really at all. Yeah. Well, um, it, it's definitely interesting to see where uh, we can go. I'm going to exit out of this page because I'm just putting too much attention onto it now. <laughs> Is this the armchair GM's GM page? No, the free it was just page. the upcoming free agents. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the armchair, the armchair, I can get lost in that for a couple hours easily. <laughs> uh, it's and then you you look at what people want and you're like, what the hell is wrong? What goes through some of these people's like? Yeah, teams are just gonna give you a deal like that. Like I don't know, it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you've been on hockey's future boards at all. You know what that's like, seeing ridiculous trade proposals, typically from Canadian teams, but they're not the only ones that are guilty of it. No, I see them. I see them of all of these teams in the armchair GM. So um, tomorrow night, you want to come up to uh, come up to Westfield and uh, drive out to Erie for the first game of the OHL uh, uh, Rogers Trophy uh, Cup, wherever it is. I'd have to leave probably right now. <laughs> Um, I it'd be fun. Yeah, twenty twenty eight dollars a ticket. Just a sixteen hour drive away. <laughs> yeah, we can uh, you know, we can uh, go watch Dupree Kit and uh, they're playing uh, the Otters are playing the Mississauga Steelhead at um Alexander Nylanders uh X team uh, from the OHL from last year. So uh, it should be pretty fun. They got a couple uh guys on their roster that uh could be uh top picks and some drafts from now um let's see here uh i was looking at it earlier mississauga let's see here roster they they have two of the mcleod brothers there which is kind of funny but that wasn't the guy i was looking at um i think right here um, Owen. Uh, Owen Tippett. If it's, yeah, Owen Tippett. Yeah, he's a. Uh, he's a possibility for the Sabers at eight, actually. He's a. Uh, let's see here. He uh, forty four goal, forty four goals this season. Four, 31 assists, seventy five points. Uh, plus minus a twenty four, in the plus side, obviously, and uh, thirty six penalty minutes. I like that. Not afraid to uh, get scary. Uh, six six foot, two hundred and four pounds. Uh, born in '99, it's just crazy to me. I can remember like buying my first CD in 1999. <laughs> well, I've no. I've seen Tippett compared to both Evander Kane and Phil Kessel. Wow, two different types of players. I think he's more he's more Kessel's size. But they say there's some questions about his hockey sense, but great shot, speed. You know, kind of has all the tools. So somebody, somebody that people will be talking about for the Sabers at eight because winger yeah. remains a need. He's um, 
fourth overall pick in the OHL draft in 2015. And he is a ginger. <laughs> so, yeah, keep that in mind. You know, he, he might be the next Danny Heatley. It's important to know, I guess. Important in your uh, important for all you scouts out there. Yep. Um, but yeah, yeah. Are you are you going to that? Yeah, I'm gonna go. Um, I just need someone to go with. I'm trying to talk my buddy uh, Steve Morell into going with me, but uh, he's he said if it's a, he works at a marina. If it's if the weather's bad tomorrow, he said he'll go. But if the weather is good, he won't go. And the weather's supposed to be bad tomorrow. So, I don't know. I, was, I want to order the tickets now. Yeah, it's leaving a lot up but in the air. I, yeah, Erie's, uh, Erie uh, hasn't sold out any of their playoff games this year. Wow. Not in the Western Conference Finals or anything, which I find, like, super surprising. 25, 28, 28 bucks for reserve seats there. I mean, that's... For an OHL championship game, that's not bad. And, you know, the tickets go up every round they go up. I mean, I've been to playoff games there for $19. I mean, what's $19 anymore? So that means they're cheap people. Would you rather do go go uh, hang out at the nightclub and dance to Beyonce? I don't think so. It's sad. But yeah, I guess Erie doesn't really yeah. draw like a typical Canadian city of its size. And that's probably one of the re- one of the reasons why the OHL is apprehensive about expanding down into the U.S. But Erie's got a nice franchise, and I Successful, and I wonder yeah. uh, I wonder what their ticket sales would look like if they were performing like they were pre Connor McDavid when they were the worst yeah. franchise in the in the whole OHL. Yep. And Mark and I we, we went. Um, we went after my senior year. Mark was graduated for a year, and we went and saw McDavid when he was fifteen. Yeah, when he was an underager. Rookie, yeah, rookie, rookie, rookie McDavid. That was a lot of fun. I remember us saying too when we went, we're like, "Oh, I wish the Sabers could get their could, could get their hands on this guy, but there's no way they're going to be bad enough to even have a chance at him." <laughs> and that was pre just blowing everything up because. At that point, you still had a lot of that Rochester core together. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, you just you just want to like drive tears into <laughs> the Eppinger household right now. It's not it's not looking good, uh, <laughs> man. And you think to think that we were so close, but I'm not complaining. I'll never complain. Eichel is a great, a great pick. The best second pick that. You know that we could ever ask for, probably. Yeah, I mean, should be one of the most talented second picks ever. The other guys I'm thinking of are Pronger, Evgeny Malkin. I can't really yep. think of any others that should be I better than Eichel when it's all said and done. A, a, a customer of mine, a friend of mine, compared Eichel to Bobby Ryan the other day. <laughs> Because he was strictly because he's second pick and he's U.S. player, and I was like, "Stop it!" Yeah, Eichel is definitely Bobby Ryan. Several levels above Bobby Ryan. Yeah, Bobby Ryan did have a sick assist last night, though. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to diss Bobby Ryan at all. But he is what he is. He's not a really dynamic player. He's a. 
But he's a good, but he's a real good. Yeah, hockey fifty-five player. to he's sixty point guy, player. which there aren't a ton of those guys in the league. But he's, you know, he's not a, he's not a guy you're going to build your team around. No. Uh, you should see my sister Keely got this great Erie Otters sweatshirt. I just wanted to point that out before we moved on from discussing the Erie Otters at all. I got her to buy it. I think it was in the Dunkirk Salvation Army. But I saw it. I was like, Keely, you have to get this. She she found it, I think, but I really hammered it home that she's got to get it. Well, I'm glad that you got her. I'm glad that she got it. Good for you, Keely. Um, live update. Pittsburgh's beating Washington 1-0 with four, four, 440 left in the first period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't like that. The Yankees are actually losing. It's rare. Well, they they lost the first game to Toronto and uh, went out last night and beat them up pretty bad, and now they're losing. Wow. Steve Pierce had another home run. His third in two, two nights. Wow. But I don't think the Yankee or the uh, the Saber Talk listeners want to listen to Yankee updates. No, but I do want you to guess who scored the goal for Pittsburgh. Ooh, um, it's probably gonna be somebody inserted in the lineup for. I'll get. I'll get. I'll give you three cho- three chances. I I have faith in you. Okay. You get three players to pick from. Um. Trevor Daly. Keep going. Um, Benino. Key. One more. It's going to be somebody really random, I know. Um, no, no, not really. Not really? But not like, not random, but not like, not your first thought either. Kunitz. Nope. Uh, Hornquist scored on a goal assisted by Matt Cullen. Ah, okay. Good old Matt Cullen. Yep. 38, I think, right? Yeah. Got to <laughs> think this is probably his his last run. I hope he loses. Uh, <laughs> that being said, uh, it should be interesting do you think whoever uh, wins this series is going to go on to the finals? I think so. Yeah, I don't really believe in the in the Rangers or the Senators. Yeah. So kind of considering it the Eastern Conference Finals, shouldn't be – Yeah. So maybe I shouldn't be that confident, but do you feel the well, same way? Know, I, I, I think, yeah, I do. Um, it's been – Ottawa's been pretty impressive besides last night, though. Uh, I figured you'd just be pulling for your boy Dion Phaneuf and the range and the Ottawa. Now there's a player you can build around. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, I uh, hate the Senators. I mean, till till last night, I think three goals were scored on Carlson while Carlson was on the ice last night. But Carlson's been hot. Yeah, he's really he's really something else. Yeah, he's he, you know as much as much as I don't enjoy the Senators. 
I do have a soft spot for Eric Carlson. He's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I really can't dislike the guy. You got to respect him, and um, it's great to see somebody destroying the stereotypes about undersized defensemen and kind of every step along the way they've counted him out you know at first he fell in the draft because not big enough to be an NHL defenseman then he becomes an NHL defenseman and then okay he's not big enough to be more than an offensive only guy and then he becomes a top four guy and it's okay he's never good enough to be a top to, to be a top pairing guy he becomes a top pairing guy so on until he's you could argue he's the best defenseman in the league so yeah yeah I, I would say I would say he's been him and uh, Ryan Ellis have been the best two defensemen in playoffs so far I think I don't I don't think you can argue anyone else yeah I mean definitely in terms of contributing offensively yeah yeah point production wise um is there anything else uh we've uh, haven't touched on today Mark that you wanted to talk about um I don't think so I think we hit quite a bit uh, I think we laid out pretty well kind of what the major decisions are going to be this off season. talked about the GM search discussed the expansion draft a little bit how about you anything else on your mind um no not really uh I'm pulling up a pulling up a a picture of uh Marc-Andre Fleury's goalie mask right now and uh, looks like he has, from the first Stanley Cup, he has some guys' last names on the team that uh, won that cup. And uh, Nikito Niskanen's name has been removed from his mask. Was he on the? Yeah. Was he yeah, on Matt Niskanen? Yeah, that team. Yeah, yeah Matt, 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 Matt Niskanen. I'm sorry. I just get uh, all. Excited about saying his last name, I start going. And digging <laughs> Do you know where he's from? Names. Matt Neskinen. Yeah. No. Oh, he's from Minnesota. I was gonna. I was hoping you would guess he's from Finland or something or Sweden. Well, I that was my first thought, but you know, I wasn't gonna you know put myself out there on the Saber Talk podcast and look like even more of a jerk than I already am. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but uh, Flurry taped over Niskanen's name on his mask after last time, last game. So there's your uh, big uh, Twitter thing you're gonna see for the next couple days. Interesting. Yeah, because they because yeah. they signed both uh, both Orpic and Niskanen in that same off season for huge money from the Penguins. The Capitals did so that's it. Definitely added to the Penguins Capitals rivalry, and then now this just really puts it over the top yeah well um since uh since uh probably be another week or so till we do a podcast unless we get uh some uh confirmation on the gm watch here which we'll try to get back on on the air here soon if that that goes on um what's uh so what's, what's your prediction for um for the the rest of these series, oh, it's tough. Um, well, I guess I have to say now that the that the Oilers are going to win. I had said from the beginning that <clears throat> I thought Anaheim was going to win. 
And you know what? I'm still going to pick them. I'm going to pick them to win tonight oh. and to go Good back to you. Anaheim up or uh, tied, you know, back with uh, <clears throat> basically starting from scratch. Um, so I'll pick Anaheim in seven. I said Anaheim in six coming in, but I feel like that's too aggressive now. Um, I'll also take Washington in seven. I'm going to take the Rangers in six. Wow. Winning the next three. I just don't believe in the Senators whatsoever. I say I don't believe in the Rangers either, but I think the Rangers are the better team. Ottawa's really been carried by hot goaltending all year. Um, And then I think I'll say St. Louis wins another game and then Nashville closes it out on home ice in six. Wow. What are you thinking? You know, well, I'm thinking that you just made some pretty fucking freaking ballsy picks. Yeah, I'm going to look like Mark. an idiot next week. <laughs> I'm going to go with um, Ottawa in six, Washington in seven, Edmonton in six, Nashville in five. You'll probably be more right than me. I've got to stick with the teams I picked coming into this coming into this round, though. So. See, I'm I'm rooting for Anaheim. I'm totally rooting for Anaheim, but I guess I'm rooting for Edmonton. Edmonton. You know, I I am kind of I, sick of the McDavid hype a little bit, but that's a good fan base. They've suffered for a long yeah. time. Well, both and I, both of you are you and I are on the same page. With uh, we can wait for McDavid and the Oilers to be dominant. They have such a good team. If uh, Ricky Brown's listening, come on the air and talk about Zach Cassian for thirty minutes, please, please, because <laughs> I mean he's, we just want to hear you talk about how great he is and how you want to rub his beard in the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> that, that beautiful beard. Jeez, blocked off. It's terrible. <laughs> Cassian's had a good playoffs. He's been really good. Um, well, the things about Cassian is I feel like he tries to make himself look as ugly as possible, as brutish as possible. Like, I've always had that impression since he was a Sabres prospect. I don't know what it yeah. is. He, he has some problems. <laughs> um, but, you want to uh, have him on your side in a bar listen. fight, though. Oh, heck, yeah. Yep. You're going to want him on your side on the drug deal turned wrong, too, because he's probably been on the side of those. <laughs> uh, so I'm sorry about that, Zach Cassian. Don't come to West Hill and kick my ass. Um, but uh, it's been a it's been a good podcast. I've really enjoyed talking about this, and I can't wait till we can get our, we find out more about this GM search and uh, have a new general manager and coach, and we can really start moving the ball on where the Sabres are going to be going this offseason definitely yeah looking forward to having some more substantive talks about what we can really expect because we should be able to at least draw a little bit more based on who the coach and general manager are about what their philosophy maybe has been in the past and um, it'll be fun to speculate I always like the offseason and this offseason seems more important than recent offseasons have seemed because the team's really at a crossroads so always great talking to you Josh Always a pleasure, my friend. Till next time, thank you all, the Saber Talk uh, listeners out there. Enjoy the rest of the playoff series till we get back to you.